everybody, Chris Avery with you on a brand new edition of Chargers Weekly, free agency edition. And my first guest, a friend of the podcast, we actually did this when you were working for the Kansas City Star, Brooke Pryor of ESPN Joyce, but she covers the Steelers. Brooke, first and foremost, how's free agency treating you? It's a lot quieter here than it was when I was in Kansas City and they were signing Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark. It's a lot more uh, going than people coming to Pittsburgh this time around. So it's uh, I'm not used to this quite yet. Yeah, that's right. Well, so we got Rob Demosky coming up to talk Corey Lindsley, but Matt Filer coming to the Chargers. Uh, this is a guy who maybe is a little bit unheralded when you talk about that Pittsburgh offensive line, but but a big key to their success this past season. Yeah, I think unheralded is the perfect word to describe Matt Filer. I mean, this is a guy that was an undrafted free agent out of a Division II college. So he's used to that label. But I think the thing that makes him so valuable and the reason why the Chargers gave him a good contract is that he's so versatile. I mean, he was the right tackle in 2019, started there all season. Then the Steelers had some guys retire and leave, guys like Ramon Foster and B.J. Finney, and they kicked him inside to left guard, and he started there all season. And it looks like the Chargers are going to keep him at guard, if I'm reading things correctly, and they announced him as a guard, which makes sense. He was a really good guard, but I was watching film from him when he was playing tackle two seasons ago, and he can really move guys. So he's not, you know, the big sexy signing. He's not, you know, the Corey Lindsay signing, but I think he's going to be really important in, you know, holding up the pocket in protecting a young quarterback. No question in, in steady. You just want somebody steady, a steady presence there. If he's going to play left guard. And then he goes from all pro center Marquise Pouncey to all pro center Corey Lindsley. How important do you think that is for him and maybe his decision-making and saying, Hey, okay, we got a, a young quarterback with a lot of promise and B I get to be next to Corey Lindsley. Right. Exactly. Well, especially because Marquise Pouncey is retiring. So I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall there. Like they're going to start to have this big turnover on the offensive line here. And quite honestly, the offensive line really dropped in their production, especially toward the second half of the season. You know, they start out 11 and 0. things look like they're going really well. Toward the end of the season, the line just wasn't holding up. The run game couldn't get established. Roethlisberger was feeling the pressure. And I think that the the line in Pittsburgh needed a facelift and needed some new faces. And that's going to start at center with Marquise Pouncey retiring. And I think Matt Filer said, you know what? This was great. It worked out well here. He had a chance to prove himself. But now he's going to have a chance to prove himself in a different kind of system uh, with another all pro center with a young quarterback. It's going to be a lot different than protecting Ben Roethlisberger. And I think he got good experience here, but I think it was just time for a change of scenery. And I think it's it's a situation where it's going to work out well for both parties. But I know the Steelers were interested in trying to bring him back, but they just did not have the cap space at the end of the day. They they are working on a very, very tight budget. So I think it's going to work out well for Matt Filer to go out last. You know, the way he developed in Pittsburgh, you know, undrafted free agent, uh, the Houston Texans signed him in 2014. But the way he developed, was there a moment when you were covering this team where you're like, okay, you know, we talk about Villanueva, we talk about Pouncey, but this Matt Filer guy is on that that tier of, of really good guards and, and versatile offensive linemen. I think it was when the Steelers decided that they wanted to kick him inside, that they had the faith in moving him from tackle to be an immediate starter at guard that told me that they think really highly of him. Um, And the fact that they wanted to keep him around after last season. I mean, 
I just think that to me as a lineman, being versatile is the most important thing that you can do because there's going to be injuries on the line. You need to be able to pick up and move inside or kick back outside, just depending on, on the injury and what your line requires of you. So I don't know if there was a specific moment in a game, especially, you know, you mentioned he's unheralded lines in general are pretty unheralded. You only notice they're really messing up. And Matt Filer doesn't have many of those situations. I mean, I think he had the fewest pressures allowed among guards last season. So this is a guy who is really, really good. And because of that, you don't necessarily notice him. Um, And I think that 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 just speaks to how well he's done and how much he's been able to come up and develop in the Steelers system. And now I think he gets reunited with Sean Serrett now in the Chargers, who was here for a long time. I think that that's going to be a really helpful pairing for him to get adjusted to a new team. Absolutely. And, you know, with Justin Herbert going into his second season and the way he played uh, with the offensive line, it's a lot of injuries last year and maybe some inconsistencies. It'll be good to kind of solidify the interior of that line. But the AFC West in general, I can ask you about the Chiefs because you have a little experience covering the Chiefs. When you look at what the Chargers are doing, just in the AFC, just the landscape, you survey it, you see Brandon Staley coming in, you have Justin Herbert, a second-year quarterback. Uh, With some of these moves here and there, and and we don't know what the next couple of weeks are going to bring in the AFC in general with free agency, but your thoughts on where the Chargers are right now with a new coach, a new coaching staff, and a few new pieces on offensive defense. Yeah, I like what the Chargers are doing. I mean, this is a young team that is now supplementing kind of that young core they have with some of the vets like Lindsay Latt, like Matt Filer. I think that I'm really excited about what they're building because I think Justin Herbert, to me, was the most exciting young quarterback to watch last season. And I mean, the Chiefs over in Kansas City also have a young quarterback that's exciting, a little bit more veteran now, having gone to the Super Bowl two times. But I think in the AFC West, the key is, is finding these young guys, getting them in your system early, putting them in these situations where they're going to have success with veterans around them. I think that they are creating a team that can compete not only in the AFC West, but then the AFC as a whole. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be the team to be in the AFC West for a long, long time. Everyone is chasing them. But I look at the moves that the Chargers are making, and to me, that puts them in second place in the AFC West. The Broncos... I'm not sure that they have their guy in Drew Locke. The Raiders, I'm not sure that, that they are building anything there right now when they're you know trading away all of their linemen, yeah. uh, guys that I didn't really expect to see on the move. So I think that the Chargers are making moves to be in the conversation and really compete with Kansas City. And you know, meanwhile, Kansas City is also retooling their line, making some, some big moves, bringing in guys uh, to protect Patrick Mahomes. But I think that, that the Chargers are going to be in contention in that division for a while with this young core that they're bringing together. You know what's fascinating when you talk about the Chiefs, and we've had this conversation over the last couple of months, is how do you beat the Chiefs? Like, What do you do? Do you try to stack up defensively, slow Patrick Mahomes? Do you get the weapons to try to score with them, to outscore them? And, you know, I look at what Justin Herbert did offensively last year. He was putting up points with guys like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, but also some of these undrafted guys, uh, Donald Parham and Jalen Guyton. But defensively, that's what's going to be fascinating to me. Brandon Staley coming in, Derwin James coming back, somebody who could could guard Travis Kelsey. I'm just, what do you think that the ingredient is to try to slow the Chiefs? Sometimes it's like, all right, beat them at their own game or try to slow them defensively. 
I mean, at this point, it seems like the best thing you can do is pray. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. you know, that that's the secret key. But I mean, the Bucks had a ton of success in the Super Bowl, just getting pressure on Mahomes, and that line crumpled. I think that the more pressure that you can get up front to just plow through their line, that's huge. Because the other thing we saw is that Mahomes can't do it all by himself. You can have the best quarterback in the world, but the line wasn't protecting, and his guys just weren't making catches. So. To me, I think the key is just to build a really strong defense and have a solid offense on the other side, which the Chargers are definitely doing. But I think that you just watch the game plan that the Bucks had. And obviously, you know, you can't go out. Not everybody can sign Tom Brady. Not everybody can get Antonio Brown and have all of those weapons. But defensively, they made Patrick Mahomes life a living nightmare that night because they just manhandled the line. And I think that that is a huge key going forward for teams to see how you can pick apart Mahomes. And I think the Chiefs realize that. And that's why they made those moves like releasing Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz, which, you know, I I think is shocking given how much success those guys had had before last season, but Schwartz is hurt. Uh, Fisher ended the season hurt. I think that they just knew we have to do something different because teams are going to be coming for us. Brooke, the AFC with the Steelers, you mentioned it at the top. I mean, you start 11 or no, obviously it wasn't the, the December and the January they were hoping for. Uh, what do you make of the Steelers going into 2021? Obviously Ben is back. Um, not a ton of cap space, but just a, a track record of success in Pittsburgh. I don't think you could ever count out the Steelers. Right. The, the thing is, yeah, the Steelers, you can look at their roster right now and think, oh, I don't know about next season, because to me, this is a team that is signaling, hey, we want to rebuild. We want to come in with a young core of guys. We're going to have to cut some veterans. It's going to be painful doing things like cutting Vince Williams, um, letting Bud Dupree walk. Bud's a young guy, but they're OK replacing him with Alex Highsmith. I think that they're signaling, hey, we know that this is going to be a work in progress year, but it's kind of a split personality situation because you're bringing in a quarterback who's been here forever, a 39-year-old quarterback, surrounding him with a bunch of young guys. I'm interested to see if there's any part of of a culture clash. You know, I I don't know that that's the right word. I don't know that you necessarily have that on the field, but I think that there's going to be some differing ideologies, especially when you have Matt Canada as your offensive coordinator coming from the college game. He's used to working with with younger guys that are you know open to innovation. I don't know how much Ben Roethlisberger is going to be ready to do that, playing in what will likely be his last year. So I'm interested to see what the power struggle dynamic is. I mean, Ben is the the unquestioned leader of this team, the guy who's been around the longest. But you're saying to him, okay, we want you to come back, but we're also we don't have the money to bring back your favorite guys, and some of your favorite guys are going to retire, like yeah. Marquise Pouncey, like Vance McDonald. Um, their Juju Smith-Schuster probably gone. Um, I just think that it's going to be a much different team than the one that Ben played with last year, one that held up well or got lucky through 11 games and then crumpled. But I don't think that this next season is going to start with an 11-0 streak. But I'm also not going to say the Steelers are going to finish 500 or have a losing season because they always seem to figure out something. It's just going to look a lot different than teams of, of Steelers past. Yeah, Tom, Tomlin's allergic to losing seasons. It, it, it doesn't really happen in Pittsburgh. Brooke, I, I will say this. I look ahead to the schedule. Steelers are coming to SoFi Stadium. It, you have to be excited to come out and check out the, the new digs here in L.A. I am thrilled, especially because we didn't travel last season with the pandemic. I did all of the away games from my couch, except I got tapped to go to the Super Bowl. That was my only away game all year. So looking at the schedule, 
I, the thing I miss the most about the AFC West is the travel schedule. So knowing that I get to go out to California, go to SoFi, I am so excited. And I mean, the last time that the Steelers were out in California, they had a pretty good game against the Chargers. That was the Duck Hodges game. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was just, I mean, I, I don't think that Duck Hodges is going to be starting this year, especially because I believe he signed with the Rams. But I, I have great memories of covering Chargers games in L.A., and that was before they moved to the new stadium. So I think that this is going to be a really, really fun trip. Well, we can't wait. You do awesome work at ESPN. Can't thank you enough for your time and a little insight into Matt Filer. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, Corey Lindsley is officially a Charger very pleased to be joined by Rob Domofsky, covers the Packers for ESPN. And Rob, I think Packers fans probably sense that this was coming. Uh, what are the Chargers getting in all-pro center Corey Lindsley? Yeah, the, the Packers didn't let him go because they didn't want him. They let him go because they couldn't afford him. He had really, he, he, he got so good that he priced himself out of it. And, and that's a credit to Corey. Um, you know, it, obviously Aaron Rodgers gets all the credit here, right? I mean, he's just, he's, he's Aaron Rodgers. But if you ask Aaron Rodgers who helps him the most in terms of getting things set up and, and reading things at the line of scrimmage, and you know how good Rodgers is pre-snap at diagnosing things, he would tell you that Corey Lindsley is just as important in doing that. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a real hole for these guys and a real plus uh, for the Chargers, and you know, it's, it's a lot like what I said to you guys when a year ago, um, when you signed Brian Balaga. It's just a smart veteran guy. The hope is that you know, I know Balaga had some injuries last year and got banged up. You know, the hope is that Lindsley, because he's got some miles on him, uh, can stay healthy. So, Corey, 99 starts in Green Bay, and you mentioned it. Listen, Rogers, one of the greatest of all time. But for a guy like Justin Herbert, who had such an impressive rookie season, in year two, to get an asset like that at center for at least the next few years, what do you think that means to a young quarterback? We know what it meant to Rodgers. Yeah, it's invaluable, really. I mean, uh, just to have someone someone that smart and that dedicated to studying. I mean, he just he, he, he puts the effort in. He is more prepared than anybody on that offense. Uh, and, and he'll be great for Justin in the sense that it will provide um, a comfort in that, you know, Justin may say, well, I think I see this, but he needs the confirmation. You know, all young players, regardless of how talented they are, he's obviously talented off the charts and he showed that. Uh, but you sort of need that. Yeah. Am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And Corey will provide that for him. No question. And it's one of those things, too, where, yes, this is for Justin, but the Chargers are kind of revamping this offensive line. They want to get the running game going as well, whether it's Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly. In what ways is Corey going to be a benefit in the run game for the Chargers? Well, he's just a tough son of a gun. I mean, that's just, you know, he, he is gritty, tough, and that's what the run game is, right? I mean, um, and you ask any offensive lineman, would they rather run block or pass block? Every single one of them would say run block. You know, it's just that's what they love to do. They love to get down and dirty. And that's what Corey is. Uh, I mean, he's a blue collar kid from Youngstown, Ohio, you know, tough Midwestern kid, uh, played at Ohio State, still lives in Ohio as his offseason home. I mean, he's not, you know, uh, he, he just likes the gritty, tough 
ness of the Midwest and, and football, and and that's the run game. And, and I think he'll provide you know a toughness attitude there. And you know we always talk about chemistry on the offensive line, and you alluded to it. The fact that Brian Bulaga is here yeah. and, and vouch for the Chargers. Uh, Brian had his uh, share of injury issues last year, but yeah. if those two can stay healthy together. You had an up-close and personal seat yeah. to what that offensive line looks like. What could it look like here if Brian has a full season and Corey continues yeah. this all-pro pace? Yeah, like I've always thought that that Brian was, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber player, but because he played right tackle, I mean, you know how it is. That's not as, as glorious as left tackle. And now you throw in, you know, a guy in Corey Lindsay who just made all-pro. And, and Aaron Rodgers has always said this. He goes, I feel like guys – you know, especially on the offensive line, they typically end up getting those pro bowl or all pro recognitions like a couple of years too late. Like the, he, like he thinks Corey deserved it a couple of years ago, not that he didn't deserve it this year, but it just takes a while for the, you know, the, the rest of the league to figure out and catch up on reputation because look, there's no stats for offensive linemen. Right. Uh, I mean, at ESPN, we have these win rates and, and they're pretty good, but it's not like, you know, the fantasy football people are checking the pass block and, run block win rates, you know, I mean, they're really cool stats, but uh, you know, and, and just the, the, the idea that they played together for so long and, and they're both great personalities. I mean, they really are. Yeah. Unfortunately, probably didn't get to see it last year with Brian because of, you know, everything was done this way on zoom, but um, two of the guys that love to put the hard work in, but also love to make it fun. And, and I think that will help the younger guys in that room that I'm, I'm sure, you know, will look up to those two guys. And Rob, character counts, no doubt. The fact that he was the Walter Payton Man of the Year for yeah. the Packers. Uh, what are the Bolts getting in just the guy off the field? Because community is a big deal here in L.A. Yeah, uh, the fans should just, Chargers fans should just go look on Twitter and, and look up Corey Lindsley's wife, Anna. Anna Lindsley. She, she penned one of the most beautiful farewells to Green Bay. It's about a 25-tweet thread. And, and if you read that, you'll know, you know, what kind of people that the, that the Chargers community is getting. And, and not just Corey, but his wife, Anna, so involved in the community here, so involved in the community back in Ohio. Uh, they live in Columbus, I believe now. Um, it, it, they're, they're the kind of people that, you know, will bring not just football, but they'll bring, uh, you know, they'll bring life to the community uh, there and 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 the, the Chargers organization, the, you know, she mentioned like how the wives and the, the girlfriends of players just sort of bonded together. And I don't know if that happens in, in every place, but it happened here, and it was really important to them. It's awesome. Hey, Rob, last thing for you. I know, obviously, you know the Packers inside and out, but you also know the league inside and out. Uh, Brandon Staley coming from the Rams yeah. to the Chargers, and, and what the Chargers are trying to build here and build yeah. off of. When you talk about Justin Herbert, uh, your thoughts on on Staley as a head coach and, and yeah. what could be uh, brewing here in the AFC West? Yeah, well, we saw Staley's defense obviously in the playoffs this year. Um, the Rams came in here in, in the in the uh, divisional round, and and Matt Lafleur said it. Now, look, Matt's obviously got you know ties to the whole uh, Rams system, and I, I don't think he was blowing smoke when he said that. Uh, the Brandon Staley defense that they prepared for in that playoff game was the toughest defense to prepare for and scheme for that they had all year last year. Uh, I think that's saying something in, in just in terms of the, the scheme and the X's and O's. Obviously, nobody knows what a guy will be like 
when he becomes a head coach for the first time. We didn't know what Matt LaFleur was going to be like. We, we thought Matt LaFleur here was hired because of his offensive connections to Aaron Rodgers or to uh, John McVay and Kyle Shanahan, how that would translate to Aaron Rodgers. And that's true. But what nobody really knew until Matt LaFleur got the job and got in front of that room was how good he could be at getting guys to buy in. Mm. And, I, you know, that's the thing I think with a young coach like Staley is to keep an eye on is how does he get the guys to buy in? And sometimes that's more important than scheme. You know, yes, the scheme is, no is great. Play calling ability is great. But what, what LaFleur did and what I think will be interesting to see Staley do is LaFleur got the most important players on the team. And in this case, it was Aaron Rodgers on offense, Darius Smith on defense, guys like that to buy in. And then the rest of the team followed suit. So, you know, if, if Justin Herbert, he's young, but if he becomes the leader and he becomes, you know, an extension of Brandon Staley, I think it's a good recipe for success. It'll be fun. And, you know, we, we have this whole free agency period, the draft. Uh, so much is going to change for all 32 teams here yeah. over the next couple of months. Rod Domofsky, uh, a big fan of your work, man. I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk about Corey. It's my pleasure. Good luck to you guys. All right, that's going to do it for us. A big thanks to Rob Domofsky and Brooke Pryor for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. And when free agency news breaks, we'll have you covered. Chargers.com, all our social media channels. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Hayreed.